Well, good morning. Esme, would you be my water for me, please, my beautiful? How are you guys doing today? Thank you. This is my beautiful daughter, Esme. Well, it is a pleasure and honor to be with you guys once more. Excuse me as I get settled. James, thank you so much for allowing me to share the pulpit with you once more this morning. It's always a pleasure. My name is Davidson Jean Rejoui. Uh, I was born and raised in Haiti, moved to the U.S. when I was very young in 1996. And a few years later, God calls me on missions to France. And so you have this Haitian boy, lost his Haitian accent, moved to France as a missionary to, church, um, to do church printing work, and now I have a French accent. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but that's what happened. So now I am currently under care with your presbytery. I'm hoping to be ordained soon in about a year or so. That's the plan. I'm currently on staff at Perimeter Church as their director of global mobilization and shepherding. So my heart's desire or mission is I want to see God's people engage in mission. And I truly believe one of the best ways for us to experience the fullness of God is through missions. Do you know why? Because we are stepping out of our comfort zone to let the Spirit do only what He and He alone can do in and through us. So, so this morning, my message is on missions, because that's my heart. But before we dive in, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive right into the Word of God. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, what a privilege and honor it is to be able to preach your Word in freedom and boldness. And we know there are so many in the world that can't do this very thing, or those who can't do it with electricity or AC. And so, God, would you forgive my own heart for I take this for granted so often. So now here we are, your people. Would you speak to us? May you empower us. May we experience your love, the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, that we are no longer condemned for we've been redeemed by the Savior. When you see us, you see perfection. And today, my prayer is that we will not leave this place the same as we were when we walked in. Thank you for Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen. I want to start with a quote by an author called Henry B. Blackaby. And this is what he says. He says that God has initiated every part of his work throughout history. Instead of carrying out his mission on his own, God chose to accomplish his mission in a very personal way. He chose to involve his people in his work, working through them to accomplish his purposes. So, of course, today my, my sermon topic is on a mission, a God mission or our own. And our key passage is going to be found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 28. And there are three points I want to highlight from that small passage, small but powerful. Is that first, we're created for a mission. Second, we turned from the mission. And third, we were reinstated to the mission from the very beginning, God has been on mission, and he has invited us to join him on his mission. God's mission is to fill the earth with people who will worship him. And so before we dive in into a key passage in Genesis 1:28, let me give us a quick synopsis or summary of the chapter before we arrive to verse 28. And when we enter in this chapter of Genesis chapter 1, we know this chapter as what? Is this chapter on creation. 
So we enter this, this story. God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit of God hovers over the waters. Again, please, if you, this is a great chapter. Go back and read the full story. I'm giving you a brief synopsis of it. And secondly, God says, let there be light. And there was light. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. This was the first day. And the story continues, and God says, let the vault between the waters to separate waters from water. Second day. And God says, the story continues, says, let the waters under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry land appear. And then God says, let the land produce vegetation. Man, God is a great creator. He continues in verse 14, says, Let there be light in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. In verse 20 in chapter 1, and God says, Let the light deemed with living creatures. God makes animals and birds that fly in the earth and across the vault in the sky. In 24, he continues in his wonderful creation. It says, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. So God made animals and livestock. And ladies and gentlemen, something amazing is going to happen in this story. Out of all his creation, God has never said this yet. And God said, let us make man in our image. Something amazing just happened. Out of all his creation, God has never made this statement. Let us make Man in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Verse 27 comes in, and God's, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then we arrive at verse 28, which is our key passage today. And this is what God says. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. It's beautiful. We see here God from the very beginning. He's giving us this mission to be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And again, my, my sermon topic is on a mission, created for a mission, turned from the mission, reinstated to the mission. So to our first point, created for mission, and the mission of God has always been to bring glory to himself through his creation. And we see this in Genesis 1:28. God gives us a mission, and that mission is to be fruitful and multiply. So what is that mission? They're to spread the image of God by expanding the human, the human family. God's mission for man was to fill the earth with more of those who would bear his image and rule the earth. But as you know, the story continues and something went terribly wrong. God's creation chose to follow their own mission. They chose their own way to proceed with life. In chapter 3, we enter in Genesis, and we know this chapter as the chapter of what? The fall. And this is what we read. We read this. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? 
The woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And as the story continues, the serpent responded to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The rest of the story, you know it. So she goes and see the fruit is good. She grabs it, take it, took a bite. And of course, her husband next to her, Adam, she gave some to him and he ate it. And from that moment on, they started to hide from God. And believe it or not, at God's mercy, he kicked them out of the garden. And yet he provided a way to protect them. He killed an animal and covered them. But God's mission still stands, is to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds and of the heavens, over the sky and every living thing. But because of sin, we are choosing our own mission instead of God's mission, this mission to be fruitful and multiply. And we see this again in the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, where we see these, the, the nation coming together saying, you know what? Let us build a tower for ourselves so we can reach the heavens. So that all those around us can say, look how great we are. What's so interesting about this story is that before the Tower of Babel was what? It was the story of Noah. So by then you think, man, they should know better. They saw what happened when we choose to follow our own missions. But no, they chose to go their own way. The story continues because we have a God that loves us and he's inviting us into his mission. And God now sent a new invitation. And the invitation was to Abraham in chapter 12. And this is what it says. It says, the Lord says to Abraham, go from the country, your people and your father and household to the land. I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went. And the Lord has, the Lord has told him. And Lot with him also. A quick side note. This section in scripture is a portion of scripture that we call the Abrahamic covenant. Where God make a covenant, an agreement with his people. I love the way that road, um, he explains it in his book, The Covenant Made Simple. He says the covenant is an agreement between God and human beings where God promises blessings if the conditions are kept and threaten curses if they are broken. We see God making covenant with his people throughout scripture. We see that from Adam, Abraham, and Moses and David. It was the same covenant with added elements with one condition. That condition never changed, and it was faith. But over and over again, God's people lost faith and chose their own way and not believed God to be who he said he is. And we see it all the way where the covenant was fulfilled in Christ. We'll see when God says, this is the blood of my covenant. Oh, we can go even deeper in that, but we won't for today. That's for next time. Invite me next time. <laughs> but let's go back to Genesis 12. Did you hear it? In verse 2, the crucial element of divine blessing and promise in Genesis, 
fruitful in dominion are evident here and further spelled out in chapter 22, 17 Genesis. And where we read, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the star in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities in their, of their enemies. But if you're like me, as I read this, I usually ask the question, but, but why be fruitful and multiply? What is the point? Well, I'm glad you asked. And if you didn't, I'll give you the answer. Well, I believe because first, there's two reasons why. Because that is God's mission for his people. It's to fill the earth with his image bearers who will bring him glory. That's always been his mission. You see, um, the mission of God has always been to bring glory to himself through his creation. The very purpose we exist is to bring him and him alone glory. And we see this in Genesis, and excuse me, in Isaiah 43. Verses 3 and 7, I want to read for us. But this morning as I was praying, I'm like, you know what? Let me read it from 43 verses 1 all the way on. It's a long one, but it is beautiful. As we hear that we are created for God's glory. So here's what we read in Isaiah 43. But thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you, for I am your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Kirsch and Saba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes. And honored, and I love you, I give men in return for you. People, in exchange for your life, fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my son from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. And here it is. Everyone who called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. Whom I formed and made. And what's so beautiful as we read this passage over and over, we did nothing. It says, Oh Israel, whom I've created, I will bring you out. I will rescue. I will provide. Over and over, God is making his covenant with people, and he is going to fill his covenant. We were created to bring God and God alone glory. We read in the Westminster, the Shah of the Catechism, what if the chief end of men? And we read this, men's, uh, men's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so we do it by joining God on his mission. John Piper, he puts it this way. It says, missions is the overflow of our delight in God. Missions is the overflow of God's delight in being God. Let me read that for us again. Missions is the overflow of our delight in God. Because missions is the overflow of God's delight in being God. And second, and we do so, in doing so, we find our purpose. So why should we do mission? Because it is God's mandate for his people. And secondly, because we find our purpose. 
You see, as we reflect his image, honor him in our choices, and live for his glory, we not only fulfilled our purpose, but we also find everlasting joy and satisfaction in the one who has created us for himself. We find our purpose. We find joy and satisfaction as we do so. Man, I don't know about you. I want that. A world around us is broken, and we are looking for purpose and meaning and joy. And God says, guess what? You can find it in me because I created you for me and for my mission. But you see, if we are honest, but there is a problem. We continue to turn from the mission, and because of that, we feel lost and without purpose. We all do it. I'm guilty of it as well. But beloved, there is good news. God has a solution and he's going to reinstate us back to himself, to his mission. God himself would come down, take human form, and live out perfectly the life we could not live. When we read this in Colossians 1.19, this is what we read. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, him being Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. As I read this, I have to pause to understand the magnitude of what just happened here. You see, through his life and death and resurrection, Jesus accomplishes the magnificent work of reconciliation. Whew. Not only counting, hmm. it's good. Not only does he mend the broken relationship between God and his humanity, hmm. but he also extends his redemptive work to all creation. It is through his precious blood shed on the cross that Christ brings about a profound peace and reconciliation to all things, both on earth and in heaven back to God. It is his work. Because of Christ's work on our behalf, we have been reinstated to mission. We read this again in John 20, 21. And Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You have been reinstated because of Christ Jesus. So then I read Genesis 1, 28 as a passage of focus today. But we see the same idea being repeated again in Matthew 28. Where Jesus, when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, God was not giving us a new command, a new mandate. It's always been God's mission. He says in Matthew, then Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I surely, as I am with you, and I will be with you always to the end of age. It is not a new mandate, it's always been God's work. That we would join him in his mission. But here's the beauty. As we read in Old Testament, over and over, God's people would break the covenant. And they would fail. And God continued to pursue. And they would fail again. And God continued to pursue them. But the beauty for us now today is that we can no longer mess it up. Christ has perfected it. 
Christ has perfected it. And you see, we read in, in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 5.11, he says, And all this is from God, whom through Christ reconciled us to himself, and now gave us the mission of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us with the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. So Paul continues to write, we implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In this one that we talk about this verse as Presbyterian, we know it well. In 21 says, for our sake, God make him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ladies and gentlemen, God, he's making his work in and through us in our behalf. And we can't mess it up because Christ has perfected it. But let's pause for a second and ask this word ambassador. An ambassador represents and speaks for the interests, values, and objective of the party that they represent. Whether it is a nation or an organization. And beloved, we are representing God. God is calling us to be his ambassador, to reconcile the world back to himself, to be fruitful and multiply. And I'm not telling us to go out and have a bunch of babies. That's not what I'm saying. But we have image bearers who are not following God and bringing glory to his name. And God is involving us as a mission to do so. But maybe, as I say this, some of you are thinking, I can't do this. God, there's so much mess in my life how can i be the one that you send how can i be your ambassador but as you have heard already jesus has perfected it you have nothing to worry about it is him and him alone doing it in and through you but if you don't believe me when paul writes this to the church in corinth you see the city of corinth was was the sin center of the roman empire in Paul's day, and Paul goes out and he plants a church in this hedonistic culture. And Paul is writing a letter to encourage the church in Corinth saying, would you stop doing all ABCD, the immorality that was in the church? God was still sanctifying his church, and God continues to use broken people for his work. And I'm so glad because I'm like, well, then he can use me too. So if he can use me, he can use you. God is the one doing the work in and through us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can too. Ladies and gentlemen, when God sees us now, because of the work of Christ, he sees perfection. Yes, the work of sanctification is still going on, happening in and through us. But he will complete and fulfill the work in and through us. Recently, I did a research from the Global Frontier Mission website. And this is what I found out. It is estimated that of the 7.83 billion people alive in the world today, 3.37 billion of them live in an unreached people group with little or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to the Joshua Project, there are approximately over 17,000 unique people group in the world, and 7,400 plus of them considered unreached. Ladies and gentlemen, that is 40% of the world population. But I read you these statistics, you probably ask, well, what about here in the U.S.? You're right. 
Our culture is further and further away from Jesus. Even probably your neighbors have never known the name of Jesus, who he is, and how he's redeemed them. So do you need to go overseas on missions? No, because your neighbors too need the gospel. Where you work, your coworkers, your friends, who has never heard of the saving grace of a father. So then, how must we respond as followers to this? Our response then should be actively engage in God's mission of being fruitful, multiplying, and making disciples image bearer that would glorify his name. And in doing so, we find purpose and meaning for our lives. You see, but if you're in here today and you don't know the Father, he's inviting you first and foremost into a relationship with him, to be on mission with him, where you will find purpose and meaning for your life. Jesus Christ has fulfilled the mandate that God required. And now he has reinstated us to this very mandate. And here's the beauty that it will not fail because he's done it. Are you in here? Are you lost today? Are you hurting today? Jesus is calling you. Are you looking for a purpose today? There is no greater purpose than this, that you would go and proclaim the gospel to the unreached people group, to your neighbors, to those around us. And it would not fail. Christ has perfected it. I want to conclude with us this, this quote from Judge um, George W. Peters. And this is what it says. God is a God of missions. He wills missions. He commands missions. He demands missions. He made mission possible through his son. He made missions actual by sending the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we serve a great Savior, and he loves you. Even in our brokenness, he is using us, and he's doing a powerful work. Would you join him where you will find purpose and meaning for your life? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. God, I pause because... So often I feel unworthy and undeserving of this grace, but yet you give it. Thank you for being a God that does not relent, that continues to pursue his people. God, today here we are as your people, as your church. We ask that you would use us in a mighty way, that you would send us out to the nations, to our neighbors to go proclaim the gospel of Jesus because there's no greater news of what Christ has done in our behalf and redeem us. So, God, thank you so much. May you continue to encourage our hearts. May you continue to remind us that we are your sons and daughters. There's nothing we can do to change it. There's nothing we can do to add to it. You just love us. And we're reminded again that you make the one who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. May that empower us today 
May that fill our hearts with joy knowing that you love us and we can't mess it up because you have fulfilled it. You've, you have perfected it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.